Hello, fellow travelers. Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel. I'm your host, Sam Fain. Uh, this week, I'm here to talk about A Kind of Magic, episode 207 of Quantum Leap. Uh, this one is a really, really, really great episode. I do wonder what people are going to think about it in the context of coming between Secret History and Nomad. No spoilers on Nomad, but I do think it's a fantastic episode. I think it's an exceptional episode, quite frankly, of Quantum Leap. Uh, and I thought Secret History was also an exceptional episode. I think A Kind of Magic is, by any other standard, exceptional as well. Would I consider it to be as exceptional as Secret History and Nomad? I don't know. Comparison is the death of joy. I'm not going to talk about that too much, but I will be interested once 208 has aired, once Nomad has aired, what people kind of think of a kind of magic in the context of coming between these two and in the context of the first eight episodes of season two. Because again, I think a kind of magic is an incredibly strong episode, but I do wonder kind of, you know, where it will, it will place in, in people's hearts and minds. Um, before we get into the episode, I do want to take a moment, of course, to thank everyone for being here. Anyone who is watching or listening to the podcast, thank you so, so much. I really, really, really appreciate it. The support means a lot. And uh, I know that each and every one of you that has hit that like and subscribe button or commented or sent an email or a message through Patreon and whatnot, um, it, it, it really means a lot, and I, I greatly appreciate it. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, I'm glad that you're part of this this community, uh, this fandom, this Quantum Leap fandom. But even beyond that, of course, as Fates Wide Wheel explores other territories, uh, that you'll be joining along for the ride. It means a lot. Uh, of course, I did mention Patreon. Uh, if you are interested in supporting the show, great. That's awesome. I would love to have that support. But before you do, especially this time of year, there are so many opportunities to reach out and support your community, whether it's donating clothes, food items, money, or your time, please, if you are able, go for it, do it, make a difference, right some wrongs. What would Sam do? What would Ben do? Right. Um, if you're looking for stuff, uh, you know, in the world at large, more global scale, uh, I will always recommend the Trevor project and Do doctors without borders. They are two of my favorite charities. Uh, I think they're incredibly worthy, noble causes. Of course, there are many, many others out there as well that you can contribute to. Um, and, uh, I, I think, you know, now more than ever, uh, it, it, we, we all need a little help. So, um, if you're able to do that, please do. And if after all of that, you still want to support this podcast first of all thank you thank you so much i really appreciate it, it helps keeps the lights on um and there are there are definitely fees that that, that uh, go into making the show believe it or not so um head over to patreon.com slash fates wide wheel you can subscribe at any donor level you'll be given access to all of the stuff including the exclusive behind the scenes videos with jj lindell uh into the creation of his posters if you've seen the a kind of magic poster I love it. I think it's fantastic. And I loved JJ's process. Um, a lot of really cool stuff that he drew upon. And you can learn about all of that in that exclusive video over on Patreon. So go over, subscribe for a dollar, check it out, see if you like it for a month. Awesome. If you don't, no worries, but you'll get access to all of those videos, including the ones that he did for uh, the Doctor Who uh, Daleks video, uh, poster, as well as the Secret History poster. So we've got three videos over there now. We'll have another one for Nomad and we're working on some more stuff uh, to, to come, which I'm really, really looking forward to. Uh, I've got a couple of things, at least in the pipeline, one of which will feel very kind of adjacent to a lot of, you know, the, the Quantum Leap Doctor Who kind of vibe, uh, one of which will, will, will likely not. It'll be 
completely different. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what you think of that. But um, thank you so much to all the Patreon supporters. Uh, I, I cannot thank you enough. I really, really appreciate it. I'm always very humbled uh, by the fact that people want to support the show financially. It means a lot to me and it, it enables me to to keep the show going because without it, I wouldn't be able to. That's that's just completely honest. You know, being being one person and, and doing all this and, um, you know, with any sort of out-of-pocket expense, just with the life that I lead, it would, it would likely not be possible to do the show. So you make the show possible. And I really, really appreciate it. Um, news and notes, nothing really new to report right now. Um, I'm recording this, uh, Wednesday, December the 6th at 2 PM. Uh, so pretty much right before, uh, uh, you know, editing and, 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 and uploading and getting ready to drop, uh, post show, uh, tonight's airing. Um, so as of right now, really no new big news specific to quantum leap. I suppose one of the big things is, is the SAG after agreement with, uh, AMPTP was indeed ratified, uh, around 78%, um, voted yay, uh, with, uh, around 21% or so voting nay on it. Um, which, you know, Hey, I respect everybody's decisions. They had their reasons. Um, but I, I think it's great that it was ratified. I think that, um, you know, oh, it, it, it was, it was the right call for the right time. In, in my humble opinion, to someone who's not a member of the union, um, and, and knows, you know, probably only very little compared to others that are involved, but based off of what I do know, I would say that I think it's the, it's the best call at this particular point in time, uh, for, for all parties. So, uh, so that's cool. Um, and I think that, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see where things go, especially over like the next year and a half or so. Um, you know, as, as the box office continues to struggle a bit as streaming services are, are, are finding themselves, um, you know, kind of at a loss for what to produce, how to produce, et cetera, um, scaling back a little bit here and there, maybe cutting some corners. We'll kind of see, um, you know, what trends kind of, kind of come out of all of this, because I do think it's going to have a huge impact. I think that there was already a lot of momentum for changes in the industry before the strikes, but I think that the strikes probably amplified some of that, uh, put, a, put a little bit more focus on certain issues. Um, so it'll be very interesting to kind of see how the industry reacts and rebounds, uh, after all of this, uh, and, and and especially, you know, as it concerns this show and Quantum Leap, what the networks are going to be doing and how the networks will be kind of evolving. Um, so I have absolutely no thoughts or opinions that I can offer because uh, they would not be informed. I would just be pulling stuff out of thin air, which isn't necessarily different from things that I've done in the past, but I'm not going to do that right now. <laughs> Um, so that's really about it for, for outside news and notes. This is probably going to be a short one, especially compared to others that I've done in the past. You know, I don't have any interviews. I don't have some, you know, any of that stuff to kind of draw on this week. A lot of that is, is, is probably just scheduling communication, et cetera, blah, 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 blah. There was some stuff that was, uh, you know, tentative and, 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 and got, you know, moved around or never really got firmed up. Um, it happens, you know, I, I mean, obviously we're talking about extremely busy people, um, who are, who are working on this type television show pretty much constantly. So um, I, I'm lucky to have had some of the conversations that I have had with people who work on the show recently. Um, and, and I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful for their support. Um, and I know that, that, you know, as soon as, as people are able, there will definitely be uh, some more guests and some more interviews uh, soon, very soon. Um, but I've spoken at length with a couple of people and I'm just very grateful for that um, because the nature of those conversations, frankly, had very little to do with, with Quantum Leap. And, um, yeah, 
So I'll leave it at that. Um, but as it does pertain to Quantum Leap, uh, this week uh, we got a very interesting episode on a number uh, of levels. I, I think primarily, of course, this is the furthest back that we have ever gone in time. Um, you, you know, as far as we are aware, you know, none of the other time travelers have ever gone this far back. Um, you know, not Sam, not, not Aaliyah, uh, and, and certainly not Ben until now. So that'll be kind of an interesting aspect to explore, to talk about, to think about, um, not just, uh, over the course of, you know, the next 20, 30 minutes or however long I ramble. Um, but also I think just over the course of, of this season, um, and, and the lifespan of this show and kind of what that means. And if we'll see leaps that go back even further, um, Anyway, so yes, A Kind of Magic, episode 207 of Quantum Leap, uh, season two, episode seven, that is. Uh, um, I, I know there was a question I saw earlier on Facebook about all the, you know, the numbers, the 207, 208, all that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, it just breaks down to season two uh, and, and the episode number. And, and in general, those are production codes. So the idea is, is like 207 would be the second season, seventh episode. It, now, if you go back and look at production codes from shows that were made like 30, 40 years ago, it's really fascinating because they often don't line up with like air dates so you'll see you would see like you know like 204 202 203 207 201 you know that sort of stuff um but nowadays obviously things are, are shot a little bit more in, in linear fashion um just due to the demands of, of television production in general you don't get a lot of stuff that's kind of like flip-flopped around in the order especially with like continuing storylines and story arcs and that sort of stuff every once in a while you might have an episode that was written with the intention of being like episode five but it ends up being episode seven but in the production order it still remains uh, 207 because it was still intended to be the seventh episode shot even if it was written as perhaps being the fifth episode that sort of stuff i'm not saying that happened with this show but i'm just kind of trying to offer a little bit of an explanation for anyone who might be curious about those numbers from time to time so yeah season two of quantum leap uh episode seven a kind of magic written by margarita matthews directed by um directed by avi uabian um and uh, you, you know margarita has written a number uh, of just wonderful episodes of the quantum leap revival thus far including the last season's uh, finale um and uh, leap die repeat uh, of course uh, as well as the the one that's on that poster right over there oh ye of little faith uh margarita is wonderful writer um and I, I i think that this is an interesting episode in kind of the context of what she's done um prior to this because uh while i think that there are some things that might be a little bit in common it is also very different and i think that one of the things that i love so much about the run of episodes that we that we've gotten this season is that each episode has reinforced what quantum leap can be and the type of stories that they can tell that are radically different from the type of show that just about any other television program can be with the exception maybe of something like Doctor Who. Um, but in all sincerity, I, I do. I just feel like this season has, has in some way done a better job of establishing like what this show can be than the first season did. Um, and again, you know, I, I love the first season. There's a lot of great episodes in that season, but um, the, the, the run, as far as I'm concerned from episode three, especially until episode eight is pretty remarkable with the you know with with the type of storytelling that's been done um you just look at that at that run of episodes and i and I, I defy you to find another television program that can really kind of engage in that kind of storytelling that kind of genre hopping that kind of um 
you know, again, it's not just the genre that's different. It's literally the types of stories that are being told. Um, and, and it's great, you know, it gets us away. It, it, it really stands out from the pack compared to all of like the procedural stuff that we have that, that, that is, you know, inundated on the air, especially when you look at NBC, I mean, between like the Chicago shows and, 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 and the law and order shows. And then you see something like quantum leap and you're just sort of like, this is completely different um which is great and 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 i think that a kind of magic um even within the context of quantum leap feels different and and a lot of that genuinely does have to do with the time and the place but also it's a different kind of story is you know it, it, it's part courtroom drama it's part you know paranoia um, um mass hysteria kind of i hate using that word but i mean that's the term but anyway uh you know that mass paranoia mass delusion almost uh, uh type of story as well you, you know mixed with that of course of course it you know it, it it cannot help but derive inspiration from not only the real life events that occurred but arthur miller's play the crucible and uh i think when you look at the parallels between this episode of television and miller's play um there's there's clearly you know some wonderful use of of of, of his work uh, in a way, uh, as being kind of inspirational for this episode, um, which of course his play was was based on historical fact, but also was, you know, a, a play. There was a lot of dramatic license. Um, you know, John Proctor, for instance, was like in his sixties uh, in real life. Anyway. Um, I think that, uh, uh, th that of course there's more to it than that. And it's wonderful because you, you look at the stuff at the project and, and you look at the, the, you know, kind of continuing growth of these people, these relationships, the things that are happening, um, you know, in, in, in present day, although it's not really present day anymore because now they're in 2026, I digress. Uh, it, you know, it's great to kind of have that side by side. This is the first episode in a while, I will admit, where it does feel a bit like the project scenes are not as interwoven with the leap. And here's the interesting thing. I have been championing all season long how much I think that, the you know, it's wonderful to see the project and the leaps working, kind of the synchronicity between the two. The great thing is, is I feel like they earned a spot to not do that now. And, and they, and, and, and that's exactly what they've done with this episode is they took an opportunity to say like, you know, I'm not saying this was intentional. I don't know. I, 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 again, my apologies for not being able to ask anybody this question, but I don't know for certain, but I do wonder if there was some intention behind the idea of, you know, for the last like six episodes, we've kind of had the leap and, and project stuff mesh in this, in this great way, telling the same story really. I think maybe this is a chance for us to not do that. And, and it works really, really well. And I think part of it is because the project gets to give us uh, a great sense of humor, although there's some wonderful, beautiful bits of humor in the leap as well. Um, it does give us a little bit of information about the continuing storyline and, you know, and, uh, um, what's going to happen with the chip, you know, is Rachel on the level is, you know, I mean, I think she is, but, but, but there's just enough doubt for me to be like, Hmm, Hmm, what's going on here. Um, so, you know, what, what does Rachel's boss really want? And, uh, um, so, so that kind of mystery, you know, gets, gets added to, but it's not the focus. And I love that. I, I think again, that that's a really smart decision to not try to focus on some sort of, you know, season long mystery. Although to be fair, it is kind of a been a season long mystery. Um, so it's, again, it's working out well. It's not pulling focus from the leaps. It's not pulling focus from the characters and the relationships, which I think is of the utmost importance. And 
again, some of the stuff that the project stuff does is it really helps to deepen some of those relationships, in particular, the relationship between Addison and Magic. I think that they get some really wonderful moments over the course of the episode. Um, and, and, and it does reinforce not necessarily leap specific stuff, but it does reinforce you know, relationships with Ben, which is also really great. So it's interesting the way that this episode feels a little bit more devoid of some of that meshing between Project and Leap. And yet, when you look at the character stuff and you look at the relationships between these human beings, it's it's definitely still interwoven pretty tightly, which is fantastic. Um, so let's let's get into a couple of specifics. Um, I, 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 you know, I think the leap in is wonderful. Um, I, I, you know, this is definitely been feeling, I think, more fish out of water than we have seen him in quite a while, uh, which is really, really nice. It almost in a way, it almost took me back um, to um, uh, to the Bounty Hunter episode in season one. Uh, which the title is escaping me. And I'm sure someone out there is probably shouting a decent proposal. That's what it is. Uh, so someone was shouting a decent proposal at me before I said it. And uh, it, it, it's fascinating because I, I don't mean that because Ben has leapt into a woman again, uh, but I just mean that there was that same kind of sense of, of being disoriented in, that we see in a decent proposal. And not that we haven't seen it since then, but that was just kind of what popped into my head. Um I think right away, you know, even without having seen a, a trailer for the episode uh, or a season long trailer, which lets us know that this was the, you know, the witch trial episode, I think right away you can kind of, you get the vibe. You're just sort of like, oh, okay. I know that. I know that costume, you know, I know, I, I know this vibe. Like, I think anyone who has any kind of experience with 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 this setting, this time period, um, you, you know, this kind of story, I think immediately you're kind of prepared that this might be the direction that we go in. Um, and it's and it's great, too, because it's like they're doing this innocent thing, right? You know, just picking the petals off the flower to decide if William, um, um, you know, has a loves uh, uh, Ben's uh, leapy. Um, but but at the same time, it's it. it, 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 it it feels a little ominous because the wrong person seeing this could absolutely think that Elizabeth and and, and her friend, uh, that's Ben's Leapy Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth and her friends are doing some sort of, you know, witchcraft here. Right. Um, and, and how, and how these childhood games um, are not so far separated from what was interpreted as witchcraft. Right. You know, you look back at kind of like the historical record and oftentimes it was like, groups of, of 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 young women or girls together dancing in circles singing songs chanting things about people that they knew all this sort of stuff and you're just sort of like yeah this is what kids do um so anyway uh, uh i i love the scene i love the innocence of it and yet there's this there's definitely an undercurrent uh of something else at play um this is a, a moment i think that's great to kind of just talk about uh, the direction. I think the direction of this episode is fantastic. I think the editing work in this episode is superb. There, um, there was never a wasted moment, in my opinion. The story moves very fast, which is also a testament to the script. But I just think when you get to fuse all the elements together, right? When you have, um, you know, the, the, this this splendid synergy between the direction and 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 the cinematography and the editing and the writing and of course, you know, the performances, um, it really creates something kind of special. And and I feel like this episode. It just it has so much atmosphere it has so much speed it feels pretty lean um there's not you know there's not a lot of wasted effort uh, or wasted emotion even for that matter um but but 
you know, everything from, from the, the camera angles, the choices that are made, the color palette of the episode, uh, the costumes obviously are brilliant as well. It's just a really well-crafted episode, especially on the leap side. I mean, I'm talking specifically to the leap side project stuff is fine. Like, I mean, but that doesn't change much, but the leap side of this episode is really quite wonderful. Um, it's a testament to the way that this production team can continue to kind of meet every sort of challenge that comes their way. And, and I would imagine that when it kind of came across it, like we're going to do an episode set in 1692 outside of Salem, Massachusetts. I can imagine there were some folks that were like, we're going to do what now? Um, and, and, and it pays off. I mean, it feels like the atmosphere of it, everything feels wonderful. And, um, and I just think that uh, technically speaking, the episode is, is incredibly sound beyond sound. It's, it's, it's superb. And I hope that other people are able to kind of recognize just how wonderful it is. And, and, and again, I think that color palette, the lighting, the, you know, the costumes, the editing work, uh, the, you know, just the economy of the storytelling, the scenes, uh, flow really well. Um, you know, shot composition, everything about it just feels, uh, uh, very, very well done. And, and, and it's the type of thing where it doesn't stand out. You don't necessarily notice it. I mean, yeah, I noticed it because I'm kind of watching it with that eye on, on one of the occasions when I watched it, but like even that first, after that first viewing, I just kind of, I was like, wow, that was, that was just really, really, really well put together in that respect. So technically it's a fantastic episode. Um, and I think we get we get to the kind of the meat of the story really quickly. And and I I I love the choice to kind of set things here at the funeral. Um, you know, clearly the town is struggling. Clearly these are people that are uh on that razor's edge and and susceptible, I think, to believing these um rather unbelievable things. And it's interesting because Ben you know clearly kind of takes some risks here. Uh we do get Ian in the imaging chamber again. It's always wonderful to see them and 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 Ben together. Uh, and I, I love the fact that uh, initially it looks like it, it's going to be Jen, but Ian is just like, nope, it's you know it's my turn. You got the last one, and they and they go into the imaging chamber. It's great to see them there. Uh, they seem to be kind of in, enjoying parts of it. I love that. I love that they're kind of delighting in, in certain aspects of, of 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 the the setting, the location, the idea of witchcraft. You know this sort of stuff. Um, you know, Ben, it, it's interesting because again, Ben continues to feel more fish out of water, uh, in this leap than, than we've seen him in a while. Um, and I, and I really like that there, he's very kind of off kilter. I think, I, I mean, it's gotta be overwhelming, right? <laughs> to ask a question like that, it's such a weird thing to do, but it has to be overwhelming to realize that you're so far back that that this isn't a time period where you could like see a picture in a book or watch film on a tv or, or whatever like this is so far back that there aren't any photographs right that there that, that that there is no video footage or film footage you know what i mean like this is such an alien kind of world to him in a way um and as he's trying to navigate all of this and 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 hearing this you know kind of fire and brimstone you know approach to everything and 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 the life that these people lead being so different from anything that he necessarily knows um and i think it's reinforced by a lot of the choices that that, that raymond lee makes as an actor because there's you know the, again even though ben is clearly invested in the mission wanting to figure out why am i here what do i need to do how do i help these people and and, 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 and also the idea that a mistake is made in, in a way, right? By saving William, which is the right thing to do, you know, like, yeah, let's save William. 
it it ends up kind of perpetuating the momentum that was already there to drive these people to this mass paranoia, this mass delusion that 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 there are witches in their midst and they must burn them at the stake. Um, so I was, you know, I, I, again, I was kind of fascinated by uh, a, a lot of what's going on here. A lot of a lot of the things that kind of were there to disorient us a little bit, to kind of like tug at the rug and make us feel like we're not on on even footing. Whether that's Ben's reaction to the leap, whether that's the idea that. Um, you know, oh, Ben's doing a good thing. He's saving someone, but it went wrong. And sure, like, I think I, I think you're watching the episode. And you're like, oh, this is not going to work out how you think it's going to work out, Ben, because nobody knows what the hell you're doing. It's not been invented yet. Um, so so I'm not trying to say that it's like a total shock or surprise, but I do think that it's nice that it subverts a little bit of the idea of Ben you know, being the good guy doing the right thing and that that's always going to pay off. And in this instance, it's like, nope, this actually gets him into hotter water. Um, and, and now all of a sudden we have, we have witches. Uh, and, and uh, I, you know, I, I haven't mentioned some of the guest stars, but this is a perfect opportunity to mention Madeline Hortru who plays uh, Goody Smith, uh, Bridget Goody Smith. And, and of course it's, um, you know, she's, she's one of the accused. Um, and they are immediately kind of thrust together um, out of the circumstance of, of, you know, that they're, they're both being accused as witches. And the fascinating thing is, is that we then get another character, Morgan McKenna played by Amanda Jaros, who uh, in her kind of defiance in her own kind of liberation of being, uh, you know, clearly her own person and not falling into step with everyone around her uh, gets lumped in with them. Right. Like the idea is it's like, if you're not with us, you're clearly against us. You're a witch too. In you go. Um, so I, I'll take a pause here to, to talk about something that I kind of glossed over. Another thing that happens early on is that Ziggy kind of loses it when Ben goes back that far. Uh, and Ian, you know, they're, they're very, um, concerned as well. Uh, because I, it's like, there's not, uh, preparation for something like this you, you know the idea that ben can travel that far back in time seems to be abnormal and of course you know we've talked about before i mean just in the fandom articles are out there other podcasts this podcast we've collectively talked before about the decision to allow ben to travel outside of his own lifetime compared to sam who was restricted to his own lifetime until he wasn't but anyway uh, and so I think that the, you know, that, that this is a convention that the revival had, you know, had already kind of opened up, had already said, no, Ben can, Ben can go all the way back to, you know, the old West, right. To the 1870s or whatever. And, and yet we find ourselves in this episode going farther back than ever before, you know, both for Ben, for Sam. I mean, as far as we know, any on-screen representation, I'm speaking on-screen only, but even if you factor in the novels, really, um, no one has ever traveled further back than this. So I think that the thing that's that's interesting about it is is the notion that they, not just meaning Ian, but they, the team, they are not prepared for that. And I think that that's kind of interesting. It's an interesting little tidbit, and it's something that might be inconsequential, might never be revisited. But I do think that is just as far as texture to the story, texture to what the expectations of the team are, what this time travel project is. It's fascinating to me that this seems to defy even those expectations. 
um, which is which is kind of cool and um, and and I think just worth you know filing away potentially. Um, we'll we'll have to wait and see. And I think this is a perfect time um, to talk a little bit about historical context. And I mentioned earlier, of course, that in, you know, the Salem Witch Trials, obviously very real, uh, very famous play, The Crucible, written on it. There's been you know film versions uh, of the play as well, most famously with Daniel Day-Lewis and Winona Ryder. Um, the play has had no, numerous revivals, uh, Liam Neeson and Laura Linney, uh, most recently, um, Ben, Ben Wyshaw, uh, uh, did the role of Proctor as well. Um, I'm, I'm very familiar with the play. Uh, I, I was in the play. I, I actually was, uh, played Proctor twice. And so, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the notion of this world, um, can seem a little, uh, either very foreign, very, very alien, or, or could seem something like we just take for granted, like, oh yeah, that happened. And, you know, moving on. But I do think that it's important to just have a you know a little extra context, and and so at the risk of you know throwing stuff out there that everyone is aware of, I will say that at this particular point in time, one of the things that's fascinating is that Europe had already experienced uh, a, a number of witch trials, famous periods in time of witch trials, and of course the the you know the this colony. Um, because that's the other thing that's important for this contextualization at this point, of course, Massachusetts is still a colony of, um, uh, of England, it, it, you know, the country's not born yet. So there's no United States. Uh, and at this particular point in time, um, that kind of mass delusion paranoia had started to make its way across the pond and even though it had started to die out in europe now here those fans are being uh, those flames are being fanned uh here in 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 the colonies and um it it resulted in i, I mean the execution of hundreds of people uh and not just in salem but salem of course was probably the, the 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 nexus in a lot of ways the most famous and certainly one of the most famous examples of 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 you know mass delusion in this country's history um even though of course this is pre pre us but uh at that particular point in time you know thinking about there's been a lot of turmoil um you know recently the uh, uh uh, not too recently, but you, you know, you look at the constitutional turmoil of the 1680s. Um, the the idea that you know New England uh, had, had of course been settled by religious dissenters, um, and 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 they focused very much on building a, a kind of a religious society, a society based on the Bible, steeped in tradition, and that anything outside of that there was not much room for. Um, and that at this particular point in time, anything that was considered other was considered bad, was considered wrong. And in a white male dominated society, part of that was also women. So women were, you know, they're more sinful. They're, they're lustier. They're, you know, there's something other about them. And that's why the overwhelming majority, of course, of people who were accused of witchcraft and indeed uh, executed for witchcraft were women. So you've got all of these kind of fascinating uh, religious, political, uh, and, and gender uh, issues at play in, in, in the entire notion of, of this, you know, witchcraft accusation period in time um the you know the in salem the witch trials were i believe from uh february 
they 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 were they lasted over a year it was like almost all of 1692 and into 1693 um so uh but I, yeah they started in february ended in may 1693 um you you know you had 19 people uh in salem alone who were executed uh by hanging um one other uh died uh under a form of torture if you're familiar with the the, the play or of course the real history that's giles Corey who had uh stones placed upon him uh, more people died in jail as well uh, anyway, uh, I, I do think that it was just kind of a fascinating, um, time, you, you know, when you had for the most part, young girls accusing mature women of witchcraft for a variety of, of, of reasons and everyone else just believing in it. And, you know, it was the idea that these, you know, the, these adults were, were so willing to believe that, uh, you know, other people in their midst had committed these crimes that for the most part, you know, young girls were accusing them of, um, because the young girls, of course, they're pure, right. Um, they're, they're not, they're not the sinful, uh, you know, beings that, that mature women are. Um, I think that it's, you know, that it's interesting to think about the fact that, uh, at this particular point in time, um, the, you know, the nature of this community it, it was that it was a theocracy and the trials, the fallout from the trials, the realization that all of this was, you know, bunk and that, and, and that there had been so many false accusations. I mean, there were all false accusations, obviously, um, really kind of shattered the idea that a, a you know, a, a, a theocracy could survive or thrive without being susceptible to this type of, 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 of thing, um, which, which is a positive thing. I think it's one of the things that helped, uh, you know, quite frankly, less than a hundred years later, again, a bunch of white men, but it helped them decide that, you know, God good, but not what we should be founding our country on. And, and I think that that's something obviously that a lot of people struggle with to this day, but it, it you know, it's true that that was something that, you, you know, was not part of the plan. You know, there was never a desire that, that, that this country would be run by uh, any one religion. So anyway, um, I, I, I do think that, um, that that's important to kind of think about in the context of the episode. The other thing that's important to think about in the context of the episode is the notion that when the play, the crucible was written, the country was in the grips of the red scare communism, bad, you know, if you're a communist, there's something wrong with you and you need to be outed and pilloried for it. We're not going to execute you. We've matured a bit, but we will do everything we can to, in the modern, modern parlance, cancel you. Um, and, and, and the entertainment industry in particular was hit incredibly hard by this because the thought was, is that like, that's where the commies are. You know, they're on Broadway and they're in Hollywood and we're going to get them. Um, you know, writers, actors, producers, directors all lost their livelihoods, were blacklisted, you know, wouldn't, you know, people wouldn't work with them. Now, you did have some people, um, Kirk Douglas is actually pretty famous for this. Kirk Douglas was um, uh, um, responsible for making sure the blacklisted writers still got work um, to the point where he, you know, basically, I, Spartacus is an example of this, basically told the studio, he's like, if you don't let that guy work on this script, you don't have a movie, or you, at least you don't have your star. Um, and, and, and he was indeed able to get work for, for some of these writers in particular at a time when no one else would hire them. They often had to write under pseudonyms or go uncredited. Um, but I still, I still think something like it's worth mentioning. So anyway, you know, with Joe McCarthy, um, you know, these Senate hearings, uh, the Red Scare, uh, um, 
that was the environment that Arthur Miller was writing this play under. And it was a very, very intentional parallel um, because he had friends. He himself had been accused. Like he had friends. And the idea was, is that, you know, you might be better off just to say like, yeah, I'm a communist and take whatever punishment than you are than to draw this out and, and, and be ruined for it because they'd come at you from every angle, right? It wasn't just, if you were a communist, it was, are you a philanderer? Are you gay? Are you, you know, it was everything they could do to, to, to ruin your reputation at a time when America was, you know, pretty damn conservative, um, overall. Um, you know, this is, uh, not, not, not to try to make light or put too much importance on things or whatever, but this is pre rock and roll, you know, for the most part. And this is, this is a time when, um, when, you know, people were very given to a certain kind of nationalism, patriotism coming out of World War II, um, where, you know, anything that could be equated with 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 fascism or or the Nazis or or what we saw uh, from the Japanese or et cetera, you know, this is talking about people's perceptions at the time. Um, bad, 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 bad. You know, even even the Russians, the Soviets, you know, who had who had been an ally at times, it was like now they're the bad guy because communism bad. Um, and so the the idea that this sort of mania with which Joe McCarthy approached outing these people and 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 you know giving this very public uh, um, you know, again, pillaring these people uh, to the extent that their careers were lost, um, their livelihoods were lost, if not necessarily their lives. Uh, although indirectly, I mean, there's there's definitely circumstances where people committed suicide, um, um, you know, or, or drank themselves to death or, or et cetera, you know, certainly never recovered from it. Um, so I think that that, that 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 context is actually important to understand in the episode, because, again, in an episode that can't help but be influenced by a piece that was, uh, um, you know, so it is so famous and is so popular that uh, that what influenced that piece, I think, is kind of important to think about, um, you know, and, and just pointing the finger, you know, and 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 and, and how easy it was to, you know, get one finger, two finger, three finger, four finger, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, everyone is in on you. Um, and that's the situation that these people are, are are living under right now. And that's the fear that they're having to deal with. And part of it also is, is that you look at what's happening in the town and these deaths that are occurring. Um, it's the idea that there's so much grief and, and mourning and fear and anger, and they're looking for an outlet for that. And as soon as the, the witchcraft part comes into play, now all of a sudden we have someone to blame for all of this. And it just so happens that Ben, of course, has leaped into someone that they can blame. Uh, I think we've got some great scenes that come out of um, their uh, their imprisonment together. Um, I really, really enjoyed, uh, you, you know, the conversations that we see between um, Elizabeth and and. Um, and the other women, uh, uh, Morgan and, and, and Bridget. And I think that, you know, seeing, seeing the three of them together and their three very different perspectives on all of this, you know, Ben is, it's almost, Ben is almost incapable of like playing the part. Like Ben's not an actor. Ray is, uh, and he's a damn good one, but, but Ben, you know, he just, he just decides I'm gonna, I, you know, I'm gonna bring all of my, you know, 2020, 
ideas into this, my 21st century perspective into all of this. And I'm going to share that with you. And it's fascinating because even Morgan, who who is, is clearly very progressive in terms of this society, has her doubts about the stuff that Ben is saying. Um, Bridget certainly does to the point where it creates almost this antagonistic relationship between the two of them at times. Now, eventually, like Bridget, you know, certainly comes around and is like, yes, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, but, but wavers later on in the episode as well. And I think that that's an interesting uh, way to go. I, I, I like it. I think that it, it gives us a little bit more tension to play between the characters. Um, the character of William is fascinating. You know, William, of course, is so under his dad's thumb that in public, after being resuscitated, being brought back to life by Ben, he is willing to point the finger at these women, right? But then he is also willing to you know, come and see them and, and see Elizabeth and, and maybe like, Hmm, I don't know, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to help you. And, and of course, eventually does, does help them. Uh, you know, we also get, you know, the opportunity for the, the, the guard who's, who's feeling bad about all of this. And, and the guard is sort of like, I don't know, like maybe we shouldn't be doing this, but then of course he gives into it. Right. Because Ben says something that makes him think like, how can you possibly know this? You are a witch, you know, burn in hell, all this sort of stuff. Of course, gives Ben the opportunity to lift the keys. Um, this is when they go to Morgan's. And, you know, the other thing that's interesting about Morgan, especially at this po you know, point in time, uh, 1692, New England, single woman, uh, owns her own business, uh, you know, is, is obviously an other from all of these other people in many, many ways. You know, I'm just even physical characteristics, her red hair. Uh, um, you know, the sound of her voice, she's from Ireland, you know, she, she, she sounds different than these people. Um, it's almost a, a surprise that she wasn't, you know, cast out as a witch prior to this. Um, but she's willing to, to, to try and help them. Uh, although she also seems to be a little bit more in it for herself. Um, which again is kind of an interesting route for the character because she doesn't necessarily come off as, um, like, I don't feel like we've got this trio of heroes that we're sitting here rooting for the whole time and, 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 and that they've come together. There's this ensemble and they're fighting the man and they're doing whatever they can to save their own lives or whatever. It's very much about survival. And I think that that's, that's a brilliant piece of writing. I, I, it would be so easy, right. To just kind of say like, uh, you know, let's throw them together and, uh, sure, we'll have them, you know, antagonize one another a little bit. But at the end of the day, you know, girl power, the three of them are fighting for one another and they're going to, you know, they're going to get out there and save themselves and maybe some other people along the way. And instead, it's like obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. Um, you know, her shop is ransacked or, or you know, her horses are stolen. Um, she ends up riding off alone. She ends up getting captured again. Uh, you know, Ben and, and, and Bridget, you know, they, they, they almost escape, but then they decide at the last minute to come back because, um, you know, they, they, they think that, you know, they can't let Morgan die. Um, it's, it, it's really interesting. And in the, in the, the, the moral dilemmas that are, that are posed over the course of the episode, um, I, I do, do nothing but support and strengthen these characters and their choices. And again, it's just a really, really incredibly well-written episode. Um, and, and the other thing that's fascinating is that unlike secret history, which has kind of this amazing, wonderful, awesome, like action adventure kind of plot um, with subterfuge. And, you know, it feels like, um, you know, kind of Indiana Jones in a way. Right. But, but, but also um, Indiana Jones with Hitchcock blonde, it's uh, it, it's propulsive. 
And so is a kind of magic, but it doesn't necessarily have the same kind of adventure quest vibe, you know? And I just think, again, that that's such a testament to the writing quality that we're seeing this season across the board, really. Um, it's an incredibly well-written episode. Uh, and, and and the only thing, like, I, I, I'll i point out a couple of things. Morgan's character in general and the introduction of her character it feels to me like it's a necessary shorthand and I don't want to, I, I, I certainly don't want to belabor this and I definitely don't want to point it out as too big of a criticism by any stretch, but I do feel like it's one of those things that you have to do sometimes, especially like, you know, network TV, 42 minutes, right. Where I'm going to just kind of like show you or tell you really tell you who this character is in this shorthand way, and now you know, and now I'll throw them into the pot. As opposed to being, you know, having the time, having the opportunity to kind of like hint at the character, you know, give the give the character a little bit more of a full, fleshed out introduction, as opposed to just being like, oh yeah, I know, I know who she's supposed to be. Um, which is also fine. I mean, there's an economy to that storytelling, which is great. Um, so it's not even necessarily a criticism, I suppose, as much as an observation, but I do feel like her introduction, it's, it's, it's a moment where you're just kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. She's that character. Um, but I should add, of course, that Amanda Jarvis is great. Uh, I, I think, I, I think it's a lovely role. And I think that the wonderful thing is, is that for as kind of like strong and independent as she is, um, she does end up by, you know, by turns being just as vulnerable uh, as the other women that are involved, um, just as at risk as, as these other women, um, while also being someone I think that, you know, has the reason to um, be able to maybe shift people's opinions if they're if they were not given over to this mass, you know, delusion or mass paranoia. Um, which I think is, again, it, you know, it, it makes for an interesting character and, and it's a really great performance. Um, you know, there's, there's definitely a lot of strength there behind the performance. Um, speaking of performances, Madeline Horcher as, as Goody Smith is fantastic. I love the layers uh, that she brings to the role. I, I love that um, it would be very easy to see her in, in one light and yet we get so many other layers uh, written in along the way. And I think she uh, is more than capable of kind of really kind of bringing all of that to life in some wonderful ways, including the idea that at the end, she's almost like, you know what? No, I'm going to Boston. Peace out. Like, I don't need this. I don't want this. I am, I, I am, no, I'm, I'm done. Um, and so I think that that, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that. And, and uh, I, I thought that it was brought to life very well. Uh, character of William William is a delight. Uh, and I do love the fact that, uh, you know, that there is this pining for, for Elizabeth, apparently just enough, uh, that the two of them are, are going to be an item. Um, you know, and it's worth mentioning, of course, that in the original history, like Williams, William dies, right? Um, Betty dies, Bridget dies, uh, you know, everybody, Ben saves a lot of lives through the course of this. And he saves even more at the end when he realizes that the well has been poisoning these people. Um, and I think that that's the other thing that, um, that this episode does in kind of a unique way is that the, the mission, right? Like Ben's mission feels bigger than just one person. Um, you know, he, he really does. He saves a town, right? Like salvation or bust. He has to save the whole town. But in this way, it's like, he's saving the soul of the town. He's saving these people's lives. He's saving the soul of the town. You know, he's finding a way to kind of get through to like Reverend Crane, for instance, um, who really kind of leads the charge. Um, and I, I think that 
the episode holds together very well due to that. Um, even without a singular kind of mission, um, the town, this community, this community is its own character, uh, you know, po more powerful in some ways than any individual character. And I think that that lends itself incredibly well to the type of story that's being told here uh, with the mass uh, delusion, mass, mass paranoia that's taking place. Um, moving away from the leap, which again, I loved and, and, and I think is, is, is just wonderful. Um, the stuff back at the project, which there's not quite as much of, uh, is, is pretty important. And the most important, of course, I, I mentioned this briefly earlier, it, it really has to be the scene between magic and Addison. And I'll get to that in just a second. But before I do, let's talk about some of the humor. Uh, and I love that it's not necessarily strictly played for laughs, although obviously there's some laughs to, to be had. Um, Ian does a seance. I love them. Uh, and it is amazing and wonderful. And Jen, of course, doesn't buy any of it and and Enrissa is fantastic and and awesome and you know just the interplay between the two of them it's it's so wonderful uh and the seance obviously doesn't work out um you know i failed to mention ian of course is the observer in the early part of the episode and then jen steps into the chamber always awesome to see Enrissa in that capacity of course we got to see her uh in secret history as well uh you know she has some great moments in the courtroom um it's lovely because she's like she goes out and gets the information right like it's like none of this is on a computer none of this is an insight i'm gonna read a book you know and she gets the information comes in she's able to help ben out but anyway back in the project yeah the seance stuff is very is, is very amusing um and uh, uh i think again it, it gives us some much needed levity in an episode which could feel incredibly heavy otherwise um i mentioned rachel earlier it was great to see her back it's great to see her uh you know helping the team out and, and, and especially being there for Ian and, and how important they are to her. And um, it's really lovely. And I, again, I do have that, that question. It's like, is she on the level? Um, I really hope so. I think so. Right. She's gotta be, they're not going to do that anyway. Uh, then magic returns. Everybody's happy to see magic, of course. And there's hugs and, you know, and, and Addison and magic share a scene, which is, it's an incredible scene and it was very powerful to me. And as anyone knows, you know, I've certainly had my struggles and this time of year and right now, not just this time of year, right here, right now, I am having a really hard time. I am struggling and I have been incredibly lucky to have uh, some, some wonderful people. Um, one person in particular who, um, who who's, who's really, really helped me a great deal, kind of my own personal observer, if you will. And they've been fantastic. Um, and, and, and quite frankly, got me to my, my first AA meeting. Um, I've been sober for over four years, uh, four years, three months and 12 days, I believe. And I'd never been to a meeting in that time. I'd never, you know, sought any kind of treatment in that way. I, uh, you know, incredibly fortunate and lucky to be able to, you know, just kind of make my way through it. Right. Um, with the understanding of course, that I cannot have one drink that I, that, that I am incapable of doing that and that it would lead me on a, a road to ruin. Um, if not immediately, certainly long-term. So, uh, that 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 is my experience coming in to seeing this episode and i and i saw the episode before i went to the meeting for the first time but it still struck a chord because it was something that i felt like i i needed to seek out um but i didn't know how to i didn't know how to say yes and then somebody came along and somebody was like hey do you want to go i'll take you and i said and i said yes luckily um and they've been amazing so anyway with that said that gives you a little personal context into this
because seeing this scene and seeing magic talk about going to a meeting, you know, seeing a sponsor, um, you know, we know, we know Beth obviously has been there for him. Um, or certainly we, we, we hope so. Uh, and the way that he is able to talk about recovery and community and relationships and it's 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 incredibly well written and ernie is amazing and caitlin is uh, the the way that she kind of receives uh this listens to the you know and, and, and is there and 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 also this is something else you know it's kind of one of those things that as as an actor it can be it can be incredibly difficult to do in a nuanced way but the way she makes the choice to go back into the imaging chamber it's a lovely moment. The whole thing is just lovely. Her support for magic, her her shift from hearing what magic has to say, you know, and magic, of course, it's kind of magic. You know, he gets to say the line, right? Um, it's just a really lovely scene and, 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 and another, you know, just a testament to what each individual in this cast kind of brings to the table and, 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 and how awesome it has to be to kind of be able to play with this, you know, with all these ingredients, if you're like, if you're a writer, you know, if you're in the writer's room, if you're a showrunner to be able to kind of say like, I want to, you know, let's get them together to do this thing this week. And, 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 and that, that has got to be a joy because in this case, you know, seeing the two of them together, of course we've seen Addison and magic have great scenes together before, but this one is really wonderful and, and deepens the relationships, not only between Addison and magic, but I think most importantly, perhaps between Addison and Ben. Addison's able to come back. She gets into the imaging chamber and it's really, really fucking nice. As much as I kind of had talked about secret history being kind of like this exhale after so much of what we had gotten beforehand, which I, I, I stand by seeing Addison pop back in and seeing Ben's reaction. It's just a beautiful moment. Ray's phenomenal. Caitlin's phenomenal. It's, it's, it's an exceptional moment. And again, it's another affirmation of just how incredible this cast is and how the situations that have been crafted for them to kind of play in over the course of this season, specifically not to ignore the first season by any stretch. Cause you had to build a lot to get to that point. Right. But talking about what they've built this season alone is 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 really wonderful and it's it's touching it's moving it's uh engaging um and most importantly it makes you it makes you ask the golden question what's next and i i just thought that the way that this episode ended and 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 you know what happened between the two of them was really lovely and uh i i can't wait to see what's next spoilers i have seen what's next uh but that's all you're getting out of me all right um so uh kind of closing up you know I, I again i really enjoyed um a kind of magic a great deal uh it's hard for me to think of that title and not think of freddie mercury or highlander um if you know you know uh and um i do think that uh it, it, it's 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 a, it's a really great episode um in so many ways and i think it's an episode that will will grow in esteem for me and not because I don't like it now. I love it. I just think that it like there was something about secret history that just was like, 
bam. And then there's something about Nomad that feels very similar. It's like, whoa. And so to have this episode in between, it's great. It's perfect. You couldn't necessarily, I don't think you could continue in the same vein. You wouldn't want to. There's something about this episode that feels different and yet still connected to the narrative, um, but much more focused on the leap much less focused on kind of the overall character arcs that we've seen growing. Yes. There's elements of like Rachel's boss and the chip and the, you know, that's in there too. You know, the developments between Addison and Ben that's there, but this feels much, much more focused on like, this is the leap, um, which is good, which is, which is, which is good. And, 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 and again, you know, I think that the, the, the project stuff, while certainly still connected to the leap, I mean, whether it's the seance, the, the research, the, you know, whatever, I mean, clearly they're, they're still working on the leap felt a little bit more between the scenes with magic and Addison between the, uh, the stuff with Rachel at the beginning, it felt a little bit more connected to its own story, to its own narrative, to facilitating the character development, uh, as opposed to being completely intertwined with the, the leap, if that makes sense. So, um, which is a good thing because we've seen, we've seen so much of that, which I love. And I think is the way to go overall. When you do get something different, you can appreciate it a little bit more. Um, I think if that was the norm, I would appreciate it far less. Um, if the other was the norm, I think I would still appreciate it though, because it's, it's so engaging. Um, but yeah, overall, a kind of magic. I, I really enjoyed it. I'd love to hear what you have to say. So please like, subscribe, leave a comment below, send an email, whatever you want to do, reach out, um, reach out, reach out, you know, not necessarily to me, uh, although you're welcome to, but if you, if you need help, in any way, reach out. Um, and, and most importantly, if you don't find yourself capable of reaching out, know when to say yes. That can be really, really, really hard. It puts you in a very vulnerable position, but knowing when to say yes is incredibly important. So say yes when you can. And, um, and you know, if, if you're in a position to be there for somebody, do it, do it. You know, we all need somebody. We all need somebody. And I am grateful that you're here. Thank you so much. Um, this has been fun. Hopefully I did get it out in time. Uh, we'll see. Take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. Stay safe out there. And remember, always, always leap responsibly.